Well, on this uh, wintry day, began thinking back to uh, last summer. On July 4th, Trish and I went to a baseball game. Uh, we saw the Omaha Storm Chasers play the Nashville Sound and, and beat them in a pitching duel one to nothing. And then after the uh, game, we stepped out to the outfield, sat on the grass, and watched the fireworks display. And, uh, and, of course, it was all set to music, you know, 20 or 30 minutes. I mean, it was really long. And I think, if I remember right, the last number uh, that they played on the speakers was the 1812 Overture. You know that one? I mean, this was about as American as it gets, doesn't it? Except that the 1812 Overture was written by a Russian. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. So anyway, um, today's psalm of praise that Laura read for us uh, makes me think of that kind of fireworks display uh, at the end of the game. Uh, this is the second Sunday in Honest to God, our series about the psalms. Uh, and you know, the psalms are the songbook of the Bible. Um, Last Sunday, we started with the very first psalm, Psalm 1, and you see that up on the display, up on the altar. I invite you after worship to go and just kind of check it out, look at it, see the art that goes with it. Uh, today, we jump to the end of the book, to near the end, to see how, how the whole story, how the collection of psalms uh, closes. And it gives us this five-psalm display, fireworks display of praise. Um, in the uh, St. John's Illustrated Bible at the Jocelyn. By the way, the last day of that is today, in case you were thinking you still wanted to go. But it puts these last five psalms into a two-page open spread, kind of like what you see the, the two pages open here, because they know that those five psalms really go together. They're all part of one uh, extended uh, message. And, uh, you know, like a lot of you, I've read uh, all five of those psalms this week. And uh, we used uh, Brian Russell's book, and he, he gives the psalms, and then he uh, gives some explaining and exploring about what the meaning of the psalms to help us get into it. And today we're going to be looking at Psalm 146, so the first of those last five. And just so you know, uh, we have some of the psalms that we're doing in this series on display. And Psalm 146 is going to be that one in the far corner um, by the door. And, uh, but any of these, any time before or after worship, you want to come and just read, meditate, soak, soak these words up. Um, even during the week, uh, you can come and do that. Now, uh, we call this collection of 150 songs in the Bible the Book of Psalms. Uh, which was the Greek title when it was translated before Jesus was born from, from Hebrew into Greek. Uh, psalm is a Greek word that means a song sung to stringed accompaniment. In the Hebrew Bible, however, the title of this book is the Book of Praises. The Book of Praises, which in some ways, as you, as you get to know more of the Psalms, you think, well, that's a little bit odd because it's not mostly praises. It's not... Uh, the most frequent kind of psalm in the Bible is a cry for help. But the people who collected all these decided to end with a bang 
of praise as the grand finale. And so that kind of lends support to the idea of calling it the book of praises. Uh, now, in the weeks to come, we're going to get acquainted with all kinds of psalms. There's going to be psalms of wisdom and psalms of lament and psalms of trust and psalms of confession and all kinds. Why does it end with praise? Eugene Peterson says, no matter how much we suffer, no matter our doubts, no matter how angry we get, no matter how many times we've asked in desperation, how long prayer, he says, develops finally into praise. He says, all prayer pursued far enough becomes praise. So let's open our Bibles to Psalm 146. Uh, you, if you see a pew Bible in front of you, go ahead and take it out, grab it, and, and open up to it with it to us. To it with us. Uh, it's on page 625 in the in the pew Bible. And if you'd like to read the Bible when you get home, but you don't have one, then I would encourage you after worship just head to the uh, other side of the foyer, and next to the elevator, you'll see the Connection Center. Little display of Bibles right there, and you can just have one. They are free, and um, I know that one is meant for you. So, the first, you got it open? The first three words of this psalm are, so say it with me loud and strong, praise the Lord. And the Hebrew word for this is, you know what it is, hallelujah, right? Actually, hallelujah is a combination of two Hebrew words. Hallel means to praise. And if you were speaking to a group of people and, and telling them to praise, then the, the verb form, the Hebrew verb form would be hallelujah. And Yah is the shortened version of the, of the name for God in the Old Testament, Yahweh. So if you wanted to tell a group of people to praise Yahweh their Lord, you would say hallelujah. So hallelujah means what? Let's say it again. Praise the Lord. You know, hallelujah is the first and last word of each of the last five psalms. Begins and ends with hallelujah. Uh, it's, and also note that it is an imperative. It is a command in a sense. It's, uh, it's one of the most frequent commands of the Bible. Praise the Lord. And maybe you wonder, I did, what's the difference between hallelujah and alleluia? Nothing. Except that, that one comes from Hebrew and the other from Greek. I just learned that this week. There you go. Uh, in verse 1, the, the psalmist tells us to praise the Lord, and then the psalmist tells himself or herself to praise the Lord by saying, praise the Lord, my soul. And your soul, your soul isn't part of you. Your soul is you. It's, it's, your soul is your entire being. It's who you are. So let all, who you are, all that you are, praise the Lord. It, and by doing that, it puts you in the presence of God. So today, we're going to build our big idea as we go, and we're going to start it with this. Praise brings us into the presence of God. Praise brings us into the presence of God. Let's say it together, shall we? Praise brings us into the presence of God. Now, just a side note, uh, you know, the Psalms are, are poetry. They're Hebrew poetry. And 
the most obvious feature about Hebrew poetry is the use of couplets. Now, what's a couplet? Uh, 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 in poetry, a couplet is two lines that go together. And, and Hebrew poetry is just pretty much filled with couplets. Uh, line A says something, and then line B repeats it or in, in expands it or contrasts with it in some way. So line A and line B are connected. Uh, so let's look at, at verse 2, for example. Um, let's, let's read it all together, shall we? Verse 2. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. See how line B says pretty much the same thing as line A. And when, when Laura was reading it, uh, leading us and reading this responsively, what we were simply doing is alternating line A and line B of each couplet. And notice that verse 2 is a personal statement. It is a commitment. It is a promise. I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to God as long as I live. And I hope that is a promise that you believe you can make. Uh, that I'm, that you're gonna, that's what you're going to be about. That's what your life is going to be. Because if we, if we know the Lord, then we love the Lord. And if we love the Lord, then we praise the Lord. Uh, 300 years ago, 300 years ago, maybe it's 301 now, Isaac Watts wrote a hymn, a poetic paraphrase of this psalm, 146. It's actually number 60 in our hymnal. Uh, I'll, the title is, I'll, pray, I'll Praise My Maker While I've Breath. And the version we have is one that John Wesley, his friend and the founder of Methodism, by the way, tweaked just a little bit. And, and Wesley always loved that, that song. And when he was on his deathbed at age 87, his friends gathered around him, and at one point he found within himself the energy gathered it up to sing the first verse of that hymn. I'll praise my maker while I've breath and when my voice is lost in death praise shall employ my nobler powers my days of praise shall ne'er be past while life and thought and being last, or immortality endures. And the next day, John Wesley left this life of praise and entered the next life, praising God. Last Sunday, for those of you here, and for those of you who weren't, I'll remind you that I said for every yes, there is a corresponding no. Uh, and you see this often in the Psalms. So if you look at verses 3 and 4 with me, uh, verses 3 and 4 give us the no. Do not put your trust in princes, in human beings who cannot save. When their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Do not put your trust in presidents or candidates. Do not put your trust in financial wizards. Do not put your, your trust in your favorite actor or favorite singer or favorite author. Not even in your favorite pastor. They are all weak. 
and mortal. Even the best of them cannot save you. That's the no. And the yes comes in verse 5. Blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God. People who are truly blessed know who their first help is, and they know who their final hope is. And so they call on the Lord their God, revealed to Israel, made known to us in Jesus. And then verse 6 says, He is the maker of heaven and earth the sea, and everything in them. And this speaks to God's power. So what we're going to do is we're going to add now to that statement that we saw before. So I'm going to invite you to say it again with me now. Praise brings us into the presence of God and the power of God. So if you were uh, looking through resumes of someone that you could trust for a very important position in your life. I mean, this would certainly get your attention. Let's see, uh, previous employment, maker of heaven and earth. So uh, large-scale entrepreneurial experience, that's good, you know. By the way, uh, I, ex I, I have a lot of respect for my atheist friends. Um, I love the honesty that they have, and, and sometimes it's not easy to believe in God, I know. But it's also not easy to believe there is no God. It, it, for example, it's hard for atheists to explain why the universe exists at all. Why is there something rather than nothing? So creation is the first item on God's resume. But you also wonder, well, you know, that was a long time ago. What, Lord, what have you been doing lately? And so verse 7 continues the resume. It says he upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. So he's a social activist, righting society's wrongs. He, he leads a food program for the underemployed and physically disabled. And you wonder, well, well why does the Lord care about uh, the oppressed and the hungry? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because they are his people. They are his people. And God is faithful to his people. So let's add to our statement again and say it together. Praise brings us into the presence of God and the power of God and the faithfulness of God. That means God's not going to give up on us. God's not going to get tired of us. God's never going to let go of us because he is faithful. And the next line in verse 7 tells us more about his faithfulness. It says, the Lord sets prisoners free. You know, we've been reading, I don't know if you've caught it this last week, especially about how overcrowded Nebraska's prisons are, again, still. Apparently, God is an advocate for prison reform. Looking at this, and restitution for prisoners. And, and you know, but I also know that a lot of the prisons that God sets us free from are the prisons that we lock us ourselves into, right? Prisons of our own making inside us. And God is in the business of setting us free. According to verse 8, God's resume also includes a background in optometry, giving sight to the blind, counseling, Lifting up those who are bowed down, 
motivation, honoring those who live righteous lives. And there's more faithfulness in verse 9. It says the Lord actively supports immigrants, single parents, and orphans. Sounds to me like God has a big heart for hurting people. Would you say that? God has a big heart for hurting people. It's one of the things we love about God. And then in verse 10, we find that the Lord has another praiseworthy item on his resume. He, he reigns forever. <laughs> That's a pretty big one, right? And so this fills out our big idea for the day. Let's say it together. Praise brings us into the presence of God and the power of God and the faithfulness of God and the reign of God. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that this world isn't the way it's supposed to be. It's not yet the way God wants it to be. But for now, God is committed to working through people to move us in that direction. And when Jesus returns, we know that his reign will be complete. And everybody who uh, opposes him and oppresses others, they're going to find no place to hide. They're going to find nowhere to do their dirty work. And then, at the end of God's impressive resume, we're called once again to praise the Lord. Because if you, as you look this over, if this is who God is, then how could we keep from praising him? How could we keep from singing his praises? Um, you know the old hymn, Blessed Assurance? I know uh, about half of you were in here before the service when the band played it here for us, sang it for us, Jeff sang it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to ask us to sing the chorus all together here, just just right now, impromptu, unaccompanied. Um, and if you know it, then I would just encourage you to, to lift your, your heart, lift your gaze and your heart heavenward, and just pour out your soul to the Lord as you sing it. And um, if you don't know it, the, the words are very simple. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Now, we're going to do it a little bit slowly, okay? Just the chorus. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. What if throughout this day you just let that song, that chorus, just bubble up? Maybe while you're driving along and you just sort of hum it in your head, but the words are going inside there too. Or maybe, uh, you know, you, you have dinner with, with family or supper tonight and, and you say, let's just sing that as our prayer. Uh, but... What if that, that chorus just began to be a part of this entire day, popping up at different places? Th those words were written in 1874 by a woman who had been blind since infancy. Uh, Fanny Crosby was the most prolific song, Christian songwriter of her time, and the tune was written by her friend, Phoebe Knapp, uh, Fanny Crosby said that she considered blindness a blessing. She considered her blindness a blessing because it led her to sing 
<laughs> even more praises to God. And she, she said that she, she was looking forward to that the first thing she would ever see would be the face of her Savior. Fanny Crosby knew that good things happen when you praise God. It takes your focus off of your problems. It takes your focus off of yourself. And it puts your focus back on God where there is hope and help. Um, probably most of you don't know this, but Faith, West, Faith Westwood, we, we do have a Facebook page, but we also have a Faith, Facebook group for uh, blessed friends. And anybody here can be on it. Uh, but anyway, a couple days ago, I posted something on it, and I ended with, God is good. And, you know, I didn't think much about it, but afterwards I thought, you know, that's just a simple way of praising God, just saying God is good. You know, just like with the list that we came up with the kids, you know, God is good. And, and uh, you know, maybe you know, you've heard the back and forth, God is good, and when? And all the time, God is good. Um, I found um, a list of the attributes of God from A to Z. Uh, so the, like the list we did, I did with the kids, but, but from the, the entire alphabet. And uh, th there's a scripture that goes with each one. But, but um, anyway, I thought I would just share some of those with you. That, that uh, Going through the alphabet, God is awesome, beautiful, compassionate, dependable, eternal, God is faithful, good, holy, impartial, just. God is kind, loving, merciful, and so on. Shall I give you the rest? All right. God is near, omnipotent, patient, quickening, which is an old English word meaning life-giving, quickening, and a refuge. God is sovereign, trustworthy, unchanging, victorious, wonderful. And you're wondering, what's he going to do with X? Yeah, Christos. Well, Christos is the Greek word for Christ, and it starts with the letter chi, equivalent to our X. So Christos, yearning, as in yearning for us, and zealous, passionate, zealous. That's the God we praise. You know, oh, something scared. There's a piece of plastic that just fell down from the balcony there. I was, just, I was so glad it wasn't a person. <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, the, the psalms in our Bible were, were the songs Jesus grew up singing. Did you ever thought about that? And he grew up singing them in, in the home and in the synagogue and, uh, and as just like all of the Jews of his day and even probably today, and uh, a couple of decades after his death and resurrection, two of his followers named Paul and Silas, they found themselves in deep, deep trouble for helping a female slave. And so they were, they were beaten. The scripture says they were severely flogged and thrown into the local prison in Philippi. And, you know, I wondered if they were sitting there, maybe their hands and feet in stocks or chains, I guess, that they were, and, and uh, thinking, no good deed goes unpunished. But that wasn't, really, that wasn't the direction they went. They didn't focus on their pain or their problems or, how, or the unfairness of it all. Instead, 
they began to praise God. Acts 16.25 says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to the Lord, singing hymns to God. Praise brought them into the presence of God and the power of God and the faithfulness of God and the reign of God. And suddenly, an earthquake shook everything. It all began to rattle, and, and, the, and the doors went ajar and, and, and came open, and the chains broke loose. And, and when, the jail, when the jailer saw that the doors were open, he figured, oh, my, all my, my uh, inmates have escaped, and he feared what would happen to him by his supervisors, and so he's about ready to fall on his sword. But Paul shouted from inside the cell, Don't harm yourself. We're all here. Jailer was so shocked. He'd never witnessed such love, such kindness. And that night, he and his family became believers in Jesus and were baptized. And as I think about that, I wonder when did that story turn a corner? When was the real turning point in that story? I believe it is when Paul and Silas began singing praises to God. Praise realigned them to God and filled them with peace and joy and hope because praise brings us into the presence of God and the power of God and the faithfulness of God and the reign of God. And that's why we keep singing. That's why we are still singing today. It's why we gather here today to sing the praises of God. There is power, there is strength, there is hope, there is life, there is joy, there is peace that comes when we praise God. Let's pray. Well, Lord God, we confess that uh, we don't think about praising you all that much because our lives get so wrapped up into ourselves. And when we do think to talk to you, it's more about uh, what we need, what we want. But Lord, what a release it is. What a relief to just praise you. To know you for who you are. To know that you are worthy of our adoration. And uh, that, we can, that when we sing to you, not only is it beautiful to your ears, but it brings healing to our hearts. And so, Lord, we offer you our praise, our heartfelt worship and adoration and thanks. In your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen.